I wow. changed the description, refreshed it. And that day I had 100 sales. Oh my God. And then the next day I had 300 sales. And then within five days, I was selling 2,000 copies a day. Welcome to the Backyards of Key West podcast with your host, Mark Barato. Okay, this is the Backyards of Key West podcast. My name is Mark Barato, and I am here again at the Perry Hotel. I am going to let you introduce yourself because if you've heard maybe on the podcast, I do no research. <laughs> that's perfectly I fine. know that you're an author. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And that's about it. Sure. And I do that because I want to have a conversation with you like we've met for the first time, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we're doing. Yeah. So, Alessandra. So, um, my name is Alessandra Tori. I'm a novelist. I write romance and suspense, mostly romance, but also contemporary fiction. I've written 22 novels. Uh, 22 novels. 22 novels. 22 published novels. Yep. How many unpublished? None. Wow. <laughs> so you don't have like a I don't, safe I don't have pile. an abandoned pile. No, wow. I, have, I have probably have five or six, like, you know, 10% in novels that are sitting there to be written, but... Yeah. Um, and well, actually, I say that. I have one novel that is w- in edits right now. Mm. So I actually do have one novel to come. But um, I started writing seven years ago, and I've been extremely lucky. I've hit the New York Times list seven times. I've, um, I have traditional publishers, but I mostly self-publish. And all of my self-published novel, every time I've hit the New York Times list, has been through a self-published book. Wow. So that um, now, in addition to writing, I also teach writing, marketing, and publishing. And I have an annual conference that I hold in Dallas. And... Um, and that's really my life. Mm. I moved to Key West uh, recently. We moved about a year ago. Wow. So, Okay, thank you for joining us. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's been great to have you. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to get started. Trust me. I'm just being, being nice by not interrupting a million times. So let's start with the amount, the, the total amount of knowledge that you've poured out of your head onto books to then self-publish. But before that, what did you want to do Like when you were... Did you always like writing no. when you were in school? I always enjoyed writing. Um, like, you know, if we would have a fictional piece that we would do in school, I really embraced that and yes. I loved that. But I never got any feedback from my teachers that I was any good. Right. You know, so I was like, I thought I had just delivered this like amazing award winning right. piece. And they were like, oh, B minus. You should have, right. you know, separated your paragraphs better. You know, so How many published books you think they have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but so it was kind of a thing like, oh, I enjoy this. But mm-hmm. let me move on with, you know, I mean, I never gave it another thought. Right. So I always read, though, all the time I read. And I wanted to be in hospitality. That uh-huh. was my passion. So I worked in hotels. I went to Florida State for hospitality administration. And um, and then I got married. Right Wait, but on. let me back up. So when you wanted to get into hospitality, was it because you wanted to be around more people, like you're a people person, you felt like you wanted to connect with people. Why that Like I'm very Uh service-oriented. So that was always, um, and I loved... I loved being in hotels. I just loved the entire industry. Right. And, you know, as a 19-year-old girl, it was like, oh, I can travel the world and live in different places. And I don't mind moving every two years, you know, in order to advance. And 
And that was just what I had envisioned was, Got you it. know, working at like a Ritz Carlton in right, Bali or whatever. Right. And, um, but then, you know, I met my husband and fell in love and suddenly moving every two years did not seem appealing, you know? He so, didn't want, he, he had a job that was like, <laughs> yeah, we're staying here yeah, instead yeah. of we're moving. He had way. a job and a son. And, um, so we were pretty much rooted in Tallahassee yeah. and, um, and I really started looking at hospitality in a sort of a different light. I talked to people who had been in the industry for 10 years and been burnt out. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not sure that this is really what I want to do. So I ended up going into banking and then I was an admin for so a So you long went time. from hospitality yeah. to want to travel every two years around the world to now banking. Banking, I know. To, to what was nylons. so glamorous in your mind yeah. to the most boringest thing. Like, well, there was three I, pennies off on this transfer. Can you look into this, please? I kind of lost the glamour of hospitality probably my junior or senior year i mean there was a there was a breaking moment where i was at a oversold hotel we had no towels like literally no towels like there was no one there to do linens and we were and i locked myself in an empty hotel room and called my mom long distance and just started bawling. Right. Like, that was my moment. And you're like, I don't know if this is funny. I was like, I can't deal with this. Because we were getting just screamed. It was like just, yeah. you know, oh, a yeah. nine-hour shift. We were just getting dressed down. And for good reason. Like, right. people were checking in, paying $300 a night, and they had no towels. And it was something so simple. Right. Like, but we just didn't have the ability to work the commercial machines to wash the towels right. ourselves. So You're like burning towels. Right, yeah. They're all bleached so, yeah. red. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you're like, I'm getting out of this. No one's, at least they're not going to yell that loud at banking. Right, yeah. I've banking never seen was yelling in banks. So. Brazen, yeah, I would leave. No one would call you on the weekend. You know, it was, Okay, so you're banking. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when are you like, maybe I should start writing? So in 2012, 2012 yes. yeah, my husband sold his company. And at that time, I was working as an admin for this development company that he was um, part of. So Okay, so you cha- you left the bank. I left banking. And then you're like, yeah. okay, enough And for, I was an admin. Yeah, I, like, I literally... And then you started working with him to help right, him. Right. Okay, mm-hmm. good. So you're like, he's like, family business is sing up, let's do this. Mm-hmm. You're like, this is definitely better than... I like I like my boss better than my banking yeah. boss, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't really... I was uh, the assistant to his partner. Right, so, not to him. But, right, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, how did that navigate? And you're like, there was a I, little bit I of think... A, we would navigate that well, actually. We've worked together a lot, but yeah, it, but that Regardless, wasn't the case. Yeah. So it was like he sold the company. I wasn't working there anymore. And it's like I had this like stretch ahead of me where it was really like I could do whatever it was I wanted to do. And we had a period of time. He had a non-compete. And it was like, what do I want to do? Do I want to yeah. go back to school? Like, do I want to be a lawyer? Like, if I could do anything, which I'm in this unique situation, I can't. Like, what would I want to do? Right. And, and you're that, still up. You're still in the Panhandle. We were in Destin. Destin, yeah. yes, Destin okay. Florida, which is like a small town. Yeah. So I, um, so at that point in time, E.L. James was like killing it with Fifty Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. and I read an article that she was making like a million dollars a day, yeah. and my it was kind of like a perfect um, storm of events. My mom started to write a novel with um, this random person she met online. And I and she taught me all about self-publishing, which wasn't anything I was aware of. And I had 
always thought that in order to write a book, you had to query an agent and query publishers and get like, you know, a hundred rejections right. and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you can go that route. Which you still can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. people do. <laughs> so, and it was, that was never anything that I would do. But suddenly I'm watching my mom write a book and she's able to just publish it four months later. Right. And I was like, hey, like I have a summer ahead of me. I've, I'm reading books constantly. Like that's maybe mopping I'll try in the background. That's not peeing. By yeah. the way. We're just letting everybody know. The lovely man is mopping. Not, not, that's not us peeing. It's okay. Yeah, don't worry. It's all good. Okay. So um, what, when you first, when your mom was recommending self-publishing, because my mm-hmm. wife has written a bunch of children's books okay, and, right. and everything, all picture books sure. and we self-published. I'm the one mm-hmm. that dug in and was like, okay, Ingram Spark, Creative Space, blah, 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 and like found all the ways to navigate. I want hardcover, not hardcover. What about, about the UPC? And, and how do I get all these ISBN numbers? And like all this stuff that you know, because there are a lot of companies out there mm-hmm. that will want to charge oh, $2,500, $5,000 for the same yeah. thing that you can do yourself and pay, like what Ingram like Sparks nothing. Division, you're paying yeah. $69 yeah. for the one time. And then you're paying wholesale for your own books. <laughs> you could literally do it for 100 bucks. It's I, I cringe all the time because I'll meet authors who are like, hey, I published my book. And what they did was they went with a vanity press, which yeah. is what we call vanity press. Yeah. And I'm talking to this poor author who has 2,000 copies of their book in their garage. Yeah. And they're asking, they're looking at me like, what do I do? And... That really, you really want to research the market before you go into it. And you want to avoid that because like you said, I can, and what I tell people all the time is you can publish a book for literally nothing. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Like perfect, amazing like bookstore. Yeah. And you can order a copy shipped to your house for five bucks. Yeah. I mean, you do Your not. Wholesale pricing. There's no. Yeah, and you can order a single copy. You can yes. order ten copies and yes. give them away at Christmas. Yes, that's all you need. You don't. And you're on yeah. all of the online stores. Yeah. For that initial cost of like the sixty something dollars for the yeah. first time you put in your run in. And it's if like, you you can definitely spend more than that if yeah, you want expanded course. distribution. Or if marketing. you want things like that, yeah. But it, if you're just wanting to write a book to see if you can do it and have a copy you can put on your shelf or write your memoir and pass it on to your kids. That all can be done for, I mean, for nothing. Yeah. You know, um, it's And not, if you want to yeah. pay for marketing, because yeah. that's what I do, marketing. Sure. There are companies that you can do that, but mm-hmm. the big but is even if you get signed by a traditional publisher, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're going to sell all your books out. Mm-hmm. You, as the author, have to get out there and market the heck out of your book all the time by roadshows if you want, by doing your own marketing if you want, by social media if you're intelligent enough to get into that realm of doing it. And it's hard because even authors like Tim Ferriss or people like that spent so much of their own time, 80, 90% of their time marketing their own book, which was yeah. picked up by a publisher. Well, the the this huge misconception is like, oh, if I get a traditional publisher, then I could just write and that's all I have to do. It's like this perfect world, right? Right. Where you just write a book and then you hand it over to the traditional publisher and they do all the work and you sell thousands of copies and it's great. That that might have been the case, you know, a decade ago, 15 years ago. But the truth of the matter is now um, traditional publishers are standing toe-to-toe with indie publishers and they're losing. They're losing because we can adapt quicker. We can make split-second decisions. We can change our pricing to take advantage of a, you know... 
promo that Barnes and Noble is running, we can see a hot trend and we can write a book and publish it before traditional publishers have even had time to set a meeting. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's not in, in the romance genre, especially traditional publishers are no longer their amount of romance novels that they're publishing has been cut drastically because they can't compete. Yeah. They and the young compete. adult too, like the, mm-hmm. uh, like all those, what are those ones? The vampire movies yeah. and all that, that young adult market too is like, you can go direct. It's, is the same thing that's happening in all business right now mm-hmm. is that the yeah. internet has removed the middleman. <laughs> it has. It yeah. has from singing mm-hmm. to any kind of business to anything that you do out there. The middleman, the gatekeeper has yeah. completely been removed. You want to put out your own movie? You don't even yeah, need to like go to travel Netflix agents. Now. Don't longer need a travel agent because no. you can just book direct. Yeah, everything mm-hmm. has disrupted the middleman, mm-hmm. and it's because of time and ease of use that makes that happen. And you know your literature better than anybody else does. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to write and don't do anything, well, now that's different. Mm-hmm. Now you may have to go a different route of hiring a marketing agency to promote for you, but you're going to spend a lot of money. It's yeah. just how it is. You know, it's much easier if you roadshow it than anybody else. So let's talk about your first novel. So you're like, Hey, I think I'm going to do this. Your mom's writing. Mm-hmm. You start writing. How many books have your mom put out? One. Okay. So it was a dismal failure. Now, <laughs> after the one, did she go into like, wait a minute. Was there like a, I know it's it mom, but there was mom. a little competition. A no, little no, mom. no. Okay. Mm-mm. No, so my mom, my mom, it was like a summer project, right. and then she moved on from it. Um, but what was funny is, so my mom is sending me all of her books on writing, and I was like, oh, so I sit down and I write my first novel, which came out quick. Um, it took Twenty pages, six weeks. It was seventy-five thousand words, which is about three hundred and twenty pages. Wow! So that's like some juice. A novel, yeah, yeah full, yeah, yeah full-length novel, yeah. and um. I read it over, you know, twice, sounded pretty good to me, and I published it, which now, like, I tell my students, I'm like, oh, my God, don't even, like, stop. But that was what I did, and it was back in 2012, which is, like, the Wild West. Did you give it to anyone to read first, or were you like, it's good enough, I'm putting it out? Here's the thing. Okay, so um, I sat down and had intended to write a suspense novel, because that's what I always read. I never read romance. I had abhorred romance. Right. and so I sat down to write a suspense novel, but instead, like, a love story comes out. Hmm. Um, and then... Are parts of that, like, from friends and your experience? A hundred percent of my first book, well, not a hundred percent, 80 percent of my first book was was completely set on my love story of my husband, wow. how we met. That was the first 65 percent of the book was, wow. like, pretty much verbatim how we met. Yeah. Um, and then... BDSM was selling huge. Right. Like every book you were seeing on the market was BDSM. Well, I didn't want to do BDSM because it's just, I just didn't want to do BDSM and it was an oversaturated market. So I gave them that couple a different kink, which was um, like swingers, like uh-huh. threesomes. So that, so then at that point in time, the book, it, which ended up being a trilogy and the guy ends up being in, I mean, at that point, the book turned fiction and, um, it ended up being romantic suspense, but it took books two and three to get there. So, but that was the easiest thing for me to write. It was something I knew. But at that point, it was like, well, I can't let my mom read this, yeah, right? Like, right. <laughs> I can't let anyone read this. Right. Because the problem was it was so, the characters were so deeply rooted in truth 
Right. That it they, was like that all any was person true. who reads this, and I was I was as guilty of it as anyone. I'm reading Fifty Shades of Grey, and I'm like, there's no way E.L. James doesn't have like a dungeon yeah, in her house, right? right. Like. <laughs> Please. Right. Right. So I'm like, I don't believe it. Like anyone who reads this is, is going to think the same thing. Like their entire perception right. of us is going to be changed. Yeah. Because so, if they really know you, they're going to be like, there's so much of you in here. That's the thing. That it's got to all and be And they're you. like, oh, they're reading. They're like, oh, this is Alessandra and Joe's love story. Love story. Whoa. Like what happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So, and um, so that was, so when I finished writing that book and when I told my husband about it I said like we cannot let anyone read this like that's for twofold even if it wasn't about us like I was so like I was I was almost like sexually judgmental at that point like I was just very um I was just very like innocent and pure and like the thought that anyone would read this like smutty stuff who knew me like just like horrified me yeah yeah I could see that how like you yourself are just like Okay, I'm feeling a little dirty for writing it. Yeah, now I'm feeling dirty. Like who's who's reading? Who's this? gonna read this? Who's like, getting I, into this? No one I know could ever read this. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it was a world I didn't know enough about. Like that wasn't a right. Just from the I was fictional. familiar with. Like BDSM, you could go read a bunch of BDSM, and you could know enough to maybe fake your way around it. Yeah. Though it was a very complicated dynamic that I didn't understand. But this was another thing. It was like I could be getting this entire culture completely wrong, Mm. you know? And so anyways, so I published it and it was like, I went to my husband, I said, we cannot tell a soul about this. So he said, okay. And then he immediately turned around and called my sister and was like, Alessandra wrote a book. I don't want there to be zero sales on day one. Will you buy a copy? You know, which was of course like the worst thing he could have done, but it ended up being fine because I needed someone to talk to about. So you see the sales, like day one, three sales. And you're like, this is my sister. No, no, what no. The? I couldn't see. Oh. I, ca- I can't tell. Okay. I can't tell otherwise it. So, um, yeah, so I had like three sales on day one, which yeah. I was like over the moon about. And then day two, I had like seven sales. And for... And, well, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. Where were you selling it now? I you, was only so was, selling it as an ebook on Amazon. Okay. That was it. And you did, you published it through CreateSpace or... or through KDP. Yeah, yeah, yeah Through yeah. KDP. Um, and that was literally, and I chose their exclusivity program, which at the time, this was before Kindle Unlimited, they, yeah. it, they just had KDP Select. And um, yeah, so I just stuck it at two ninety nine, and I put it up there and I made a cover myself. Like, again, something that I would never suggest anyone do today. But this was back in 2012 when right. a lot of self-published books were really yeah. rough. Um, and so I just stuck it up So you there. didn't know about how's the picture look? Did I test a title? Nothing, if that's good, you nothing. just put it out there. I literally. How did even was, now? Are you surprised? How did you even get any sales? Well, yes, because let me tell you what happened. Sure. So, um, now I am befuddled. First of all, now I read the book and I think it's horrible. Right. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I ever published this book, even after being prof- traditionally yeah. published, edited now. But um, but I uh, so I had. A handful of sales. I worked up to like 10 sales a day and I pulled out my calculator and I was like, okay, if I wrote five books, you know, I could make, at the time I was making, when I quit my job, I was making $38,000 a year. And I was like, okay, if I had five books, I could, if I'm selling 10 copies a day, you know, 30 bucks per book, I can make $150 a day. I could have a job. Like this could be my new job. Like I just need to write five more books. So, um, which is so funny hearing that now because, like, that's when I hear successful singers be like, 
I'm just going to get into singing because <laughs> it's a pretty easy job. I'll yeah. put out a couple hits. I'll make millions and right. I'll be going, right? Or whatever. I'll make X just to survive. Sure. So it's like, you know, g- getting into the publishing world and publishing book is hard enough and then right. selling them is hard enough and you're like, I'll just make five. <laughs> Crazy. Well, you know, I was young and dumb. Of course. But so- <laughs> look where you are now. Obviously, you weren't dumb. It worked. So I, um, so then though, two months in, something happened. And, it, and this something was so simple. It was like I woke up that day and I was looking at my sales and I was looking at the book's description on Amazon. I was like, you know, I think I'm going to change the description. I think Here I'm going to rewrite go. it. Here we go. Here we go. And I spent What was the original? Uh, description? Yeah. Oh my, I get this, asked this question all the time and I recently had someone research it through Goodreads to find it. Well, what's the difference? It. Very... In my opinion, not a very big difference. Right. Honestly, when I look at the two, if I had to pick out which one was the one that caused everything to change, yeah. I don't know that I could. Like to me, and the title you kept the same. Title it like the same, cover the same, price the same. Right. Only thing I changed was the description. Was the description. I wow. changed the description, refreshed it, and that day I had a hundred sales. Oh my god! And then the next day I had three hundred sales, and then within five days I was selling two thousand copies a day. It, and Amazon just moved, pushed it to nuts. the top. Yeah, it, right. I was like number eight in the Amazon store, and so it you're going told from ten me, a day, right? And you change like two words. I'm making that yeah, up, but sure. uh, basically, yeah. And then you're like refresh a hundred, and you're like, wow. I must. What know. it immediately told me was people were clicking on my book cover. Because the book cover was very scandalous. Amazon yeah. ended up banning the book cover as soon as it started like rocking Getting and rolling. Numbers. Yeah. They're like, something's <laughs> as wrong soon as here. It was plastered all over Amazon's page. They were like, ah, okay. I was one of the first book covers they ever banned. This wow. is like the Wild West days. But um, I, I realized so many people were clicking on my cover and then they would read the description and be like, ah, eh, I'm not interested. Right. And so when I changed that description, suddenly I went from maybe like, half a percent conversion rate to a 15 percent conversion yeah. rate and then that started getting me Got in rankings, so you didn't get more clicks went, you just had more conversions. i think that's exactly yeah, what it was exactly. and then once they my never, conversions increased yeah. then amazon started showing it more, yeah a lot more so suddenly i was like oh my god like i wanted to make thirty-eight thousand dollars in a year and suddenly i was making like thirty-eight thousand dollars in a month you and know? this is like your first book that you put out yeah. yourself. Yeah. Change a couple of things in there. But, but obviously... I didn't have a website. I didn't have social media. I, yeah. had, I didn't have a mailing list. I didn't have anything. But you don't even know... You know what's crazy about that is it's like... So this is impulse buy from a person that hasn't even read it. Mm-hmm. So they could have bought it. You could have sold all these copies. People could have read halfway through and been like, this stinks and threw it away. Yeah. You, there was no way to track that because you didn't have any of that stuff set up to get right. like testimonials or no, five stars. Yeah. Now people could leave reviews. Yeah. And so they started coming they in the started reviews. They started to leave reviews. How yeah, long reviews after it published? In. You published it. Well, your first I review. got a couple reviews. I think I got a review within a week. When you were doing the 10 a day. Yeah. You, 10 okay. a day, I got a review within a week. And one of the earliest reviews said, I can't find this author anywhere. She's not even on Goodreads. And I'm like, What's Goodreads? You know, oh <laughs> so, so I went and started. And it's so funny because now I work with Goodreads. Yeah, and of course. We, uh, I'm one of the biggest advocates. That's for like Goodreads. putting out your first Instagram post yesterday, yeah. and you got like 10 million views, like that. Ad, yeah, and you're like, yeah. wow, okay. I'm, if I just do a couple of these a day, I'll be, I'll be good to go. Yeah. So I, um, oh, so man. then I was like, oh, like, okay, you know. So then I got an Instagram account, and then, but those early reviews, oh my gosh, every one of them was like devoured you know by me and i remember an early review a low review where the person was convinced i was a man 
you know, right. writing. The woman yeah. wouldn't know these things. <laughs> well, it, like a, a a man would never write a female character in this way. Yeah. You know, and it was so funny because yeah. I'm sitting there in my house going, "No, I did." <laughs> right. Um, but, Trust me, it's me. Yeah. But um, I'm on the cover. They're like, "What?" <laughs> but at that point, it was like, "Okay, I need to tell my mom and dad about this because yeah. this was really at that point." Agents are contacting me and publishers contact me, and I was having offers. Come so they're in. coming right to you. They yeah. were coming directly to me. Yeah, like wow. my Gmail account. I was getting like pinged once I start. Once I created a website, if yeah. initially no one could find me, right? You know, um, and then it was like, oh, like I guess I need a agent, and do I want a publisher? Because I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, but. Everyone wants publishers, so maybe I need a publisher. And um, within, before that month, book was even three months old, I had a publisher. I mean, I had an agent, and we went to auction, which means um, multiple publishers are bidding yes. against each other for your book. And I sold that book and its sequel, unwritten sequel, which I hadn't even contemplated, um, in like a mid-six-figure deal uh, to Harlequin. Would it have been better if you wrote that second book and stayed self-published? Yes. See that, everybody? So me and Rain Miller, which was another author at but the time. But not to interrupt again, you yeah. just have, it does have clout still to this day. Having have, a traditional publisher. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And now, now going I have back books, out, And you yeah. can go out of it, and that's fine, but to yeah. have it is like getting a record deal, a but lot no, of no, people, I'm, no, I'm still selling. It's like a one. movie. Yeah. The first question everybody asks is like, when is your book going to be a movie? Well, yeah. I have a movie now, but that was... The annoying question, please, if you ever meet an author, do not ask when their book's going to be a movie because it almost never happens. Right. I mean, it's just. And even if it's bought by the. A huge studio. I sold one book to a huge studio. Yeah. And like then. You know many scripts get purchased happen. and yeah. go in the garbage? So just even if it's purchased, it doesn't mean yeah. it's going to happen because then they got to do deals. And Oh, I don't even announce anymore if I get, if I sell a book to a yeah. studio I don't, I don't even announce I mean Ed Norton like, wrote unless that unless they're his, filming yeah, yeah. <laughs> recently that movie he just came out with he wrote that like 10 years ago uh huh and it just took him 10 years with it takes, the, yeah with the production house to find the right actors to get the right people on board and to it be working well with what was going on in regular well, society well that's the thing like it it has to match the current climate yeah and the current climate is changing every six months like so drastically right. so okay so you get this deal which is a six-figure deal, and yeah. you're just like, so are, are you, are, it, I want to know the moment where you like wake up in the morning and you're like brushing your teeth and you're like look in the mirror and you're like, I don't, what the hell okay. just happened? It happened, it was, it was the moment when my sales started doubling every day. That was really, that was when like every night when I was going to bed, I was like, please let, please let this life still be here in the morning, yeah. you know, because the other thing is, it's like you're convinced that, at any moment, somewhere. at any moment, like sales are going to plummet and everything's yeah. going to disappear. Yes, yes. And once you publish your first book and you're getting ready to publish your second book, then it's like, oh, this book's going to be a huge failure. You know, yeah. like I still have that. I'm on book number 23 and I still not, it's not a solid fear now because I have such a loyal audience, but there's still that feel that at any moment, like yeah. you're going to be, you know, unimportant it's like, any or business. forgotten it's yeah. the same thing much more in the creative world mm -hmm. than not but yeah. where say you're selling a subscription-based business for a tech product and it's like you know you have a hundred sales coming in a day and yeah. then it jumps to a thousand the first thing you think is like well some fluke just happened yeah. <laughs> when are the returns coming yeah and then when it keeps happening you're like awesome but it i don't because if you can't explain why it happened yeah then you're like well then it could stop then happening. it could stop happening yeah and in this industry 
I'll publish a book and it's and it's huge and it's a monster success, and then I'll I'll publish the next book and and it just fizzles. Yeah. There and I and I can't figure out why. You know, I'm doing the same thing. So then it's really like, okay, it's got to be just that story. Like that story and that yeah. cover appealed. And this story and this cover doesn't appeal. Yeah. But it's content. Yeah. Con- people need to understand this. Is it we live in a world where we have the ability to put out massive amounts of content mm-hmm. daily across multiple platforms, across multiple types of things like audio, yeah. written, video, and it's all free. Yeah. It's free. Yeah, that's the problem. To put yeah. all this content out. So the advice that is given is put out like don't die with fifty things in the in the in the yeah. bedroom. Right. Put it all out. Like if you're a musician, because I'm interviewing these songwriters for a songwriter's podcast that I'm doing. And I'm like, if you have the ability to put out a podcast I uh, put out a song every single day, put it out. If you can. Because you will dominate because you could talk about current events in your song. Yeah. Reference That's current true. events. But now it's got to be quality, mm-hmm. right? Like if you could put out a book a month, but it's just like your other ones and good, you should. Well, and that right now is really our, our market, the ebook market, is especially in romance, but really across the board is super oversaturated. Yeah. And what happened was in 2012, 13, 14, it was really easy to make money writing books and so what you had was a bunch of authors who were went from like me making forty thousand dollars a year to suddenly making hundreds and hundreds of thousands yeah. dollars a year and their lifestyle changed quickly right. yes. to accommodate so suddenly like they need a hundred like yes. it, like what like they can't make forty thousand right. dollars a year the bank went because, up and so did yeah, their spending they're in this big house and yeah. they're you know you know kids are selling private school and they're right. driving range rovers so what it then created was I'll write more books. Right. And it, where it used to be industry standard was two to three books a year. Now, um, rapid release is what they call it. And they pub 10 books a year. Right. All the time. And quality has dropped. Yeah, of course. But that's like this ravenous thing. I, I can't do it. Yeah, so you have I, to stay within I'm, what you can I'm do. I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's just not my, it's just not my wheelhouse. I'd rather publish three books a year and really promote them than <clears throat> 10 books a year and be a crazy person. Right. But, um, but that's, that's who's really making the money, especially in Kindle Unlimited. Like they're triggering the algorithms, they're getting the page reads, they're hitting bonuses. And if it's good, then yeah. you can, right? I mean, look, mm-hmm. they're like Bo Jackson was playing football and baseball, Yeah. <laughs> but not everyone's Bo not Jackson. Everyone can do it. Yeah. Right. I'll, Somebody does that and they're out of like both leagues. Sure. So if you can, it's all about if you can. Now with social media, you absolutely can put out mm-hmm. 60 to 100 pieces of content a day because there's so many platforms and you can make yeah. them specialized towards the different, like what I'm, pl- I'm putting on LinkedIn is different than what I'm putting on Instagram because it's a different audience. Mm-hmm. How am I going to be if I'm at a family dinner or if I'm with my friends? Yeah. Different. I'm a different person, different. Right? right? So it's the same thing. And, and you, you can, can put slice out, and dice. You can put out 20 tweets a day and that's 20 pieces, right? And then you could take those 20 and splice them in other things. Mm -hmm. So did you, you got signed, you're putting in your second book. Are you like, maybe I should take a class to hone this (laughs) skill? I mean, obviously it's good, but I'd be like, I would be so nervous that like, okay, I hope number two sells. Yeah. Um, well, What's this so formula? How do I hone the formula? At that point, so then my second book, I ended up writing a suspense. 
right? which is which a part is two to the first one or not no, yet? No, I didn't write that yet Okay, because the publisher time frames were different. So I had some time before I needed to write book two. Okay. So I wrote, um, before I needed to write my sequel. Yes. So I wrote a suspense, which also, uh, I added sexy stuff to. But so you wanted to feel. do a suspense for the first exactly. one anyway. It so was you like, had it in that's you. what I was like. Right. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'll just return to my yeah. thing. So that book in my mind tanked. Now I look back and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, that book was a huge success. I should have been like, you know, doing right. backflips. But in my mind, it tanked. But we ended up then, I made $50,000. Why did it tank? Because of the numbers? Same numbers it, in your mind? The numbers. Right. Yeah. It, in my mind, because I'm comparing it's it so hard to, to a hit unicorn. another home run like, like that's that. That's the thing. Like, I, it, that's the other thing with this business is like, you're never happy. Right, yeah. because it's like, oh well, that book hit number two in the Amazon store. So if I don't hit number two again, I'm not happy. Even though yeah. number fifteen is yeah. really freaking awesome. Your money changes. You don't want to change your output of money, yeah. or you don't want to <laughs> increase to the vanity, yeah. which is, oh, that was a number two. I have to be two or higher. That was a thousand a day. Mm-hmm. I have to do a thousand a day. Same thing mm-hmm. with social media. You put out a post or anything like that. Some go viral. Yeah. Uh, guess what? And then you want everyone to go viral, right? Yeah. And they never go, <laughs> yeah. never goes again unless yeah. you're like The Rock. Then they're all viral. Yeah. <laughs> but you, they never that never happens ever. Mm-hmm. You never just there's no like continue to put out viral. It's just viral is viral. That's why it's called viral. And it's a very competitive industry because all of your you it's like a scoreboard every day with the rankings on Amazon where you can see exactly how your book's right. doing against every other book. Um, so when you know that you and Jennifer Jones are both releasing a book on Tuesday, it's like, okay, well, who's ranking higher, yeah. you know? So, um, but yeah, I, I wrote a suspense, which then ended up, I made a chunk of money on, and then my agent sold that to Hachette in another two book deal. Um, which is a different, Publisher. Hachette is a different publisher. Right. So and you're like, oh, Hachette is big five. It's either big five or big six. So that, like talking about prestige of having but a traditional you publisher. You were never even in that world. So yeah. I want to know when you like go to some conference or something, are you getting like the stink eye from these other authors who've been at it like 30 years and have like two, two deals and you're like six months in with two publishers? My first conference was RT um, Book Con and it was in... Um, it was in Missouri, and I was, I was like the young buck, and it, but like you said, in a group of very established older yeah. romance novels, romance novelists. It was a romance novelist yeah. convention, and they were all with traditional publishers. And it, back then, that was I think 2013. Um, indie publishing was like, yeah. I mean, they were like so haughty right. about us. Yeah. It was like, we were idiots and right. oh, you yeah, got lucky trash. And stink. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, I just remember sitting at my table. I had a, there was a giant signing. I was sitting at my table and next to me was like a warlock author. Right. And she's right. got like this giant, like senator display and everything. And, and I just remember this older woman coming to my table and she looked at me and she said, how can you write about anything you haven't experienced anything in life, you know? And it was true. And granted at that time I was 28 and I looked like 19. I mean, (laughs) and you know, and I mean, you can't do anything but laugh, but it's true with every experience you have. Like I, from heartache to, you know, like personal grief, everything feeds through in your writing and, and can be used in your writing. But it's, 
it's definitely been an evolution. I now have my own conference and it's mostly self-published authors, but traditional authors are looking, it used to be like, oh, the grass is greener, like we're fat and happy traditional authors. Now, all the traditional authors are kind of like, hmm, like what's going on with the self-publishing stuff? Same thing with music and movies. Same thing. Yeah. You know, music, they're just like, so I could put stuff out myself and get a fan because, you know, five days after I record it. They're not making money on, on the sales of music anyway. Yeah. So they're like, I mean, I release an album, I don't make anything. It's the shows that make me money. So I could build a fan base yeah. by giving them this as a marketing A million tool. people could listen to it for free. Yeah. yeah. And, and I could have a million your, readers. They come yeah. in, I mean, they, listeners. Now they come to you live and that's how you make your money. So, all right. So you're pumping out these books now. Mm-hmm. Is anyone in your family, like even your husband being like, where are you getting all these yes. books? Like. <laughs> Some people write one, like if I wrote one book in my life, I'd be like, I've done it. I've written my book. You're like pumping these things out. Like, yeah, it's, um, it's funny. I think I scare my husband sometimes because a lot of my stuff, especially my suspense novels, if you looked at my internet search history, it's like horrible, you know, like how long does it take someone to bleed out and you know, what's the proper way to slit a throat? I mean, there's, <laughs> I got into some really, like I stumbled upon some really dark corners bet, of the internet. Um, and you have to do to that quickly... searching on like private mode. So yeah. they're not like spamming you. You're getting like yeah. ads for murder knives <laughs> That's and stuff. the thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, any, there was a long period of time where I was like, at any moment, someone's going to knock on my door and be like, okay, we need to talk to you about your exactly. internet search history. It's John with the FBI. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. Like there was a, um, a couple years ago, there was this um, privacy thing where a bunch of Yahoo search results were exposed, you know? Yes, yes. And there was this one guy who had searched, like, all of this crazy stuff. And there was this, like, which hunt, who is this guy? Well, they ended up finding him, and he was a writer for CSI. Right. You know? So then it was like, oh, okay, that makes they're sense. They're, like, profiling yeah. him, and they're like, wait a minute. Okay, now I get but it. But that's a lot of times. Uh, my husband's always like, if anything ever happened to me, like, me, they're like, he, I'm going to get arrested because yeah. they're going to look at our search history and be like, exactly. he's obviously trying to kill his wife. He's been trying for 10 years. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like, uh, my family was wonderfully supportive. I mean, I don't know why I ever had any hesitancy to tell them, but it was kind of a thing. It was like, I wrote these books and you're never allowed to read them, right. you know? And my mom has behaved, but I'm pretty sure my dad was immediately like, okay. And then he, you know, he bought so every your mom has not read any of them yet? My mom read one book, The Ghost Rider, which is um, contemporary fiction. I recommend it to anyone. Right. Like my grandmother could read that. It'd be fine. Um, she read that book and she read the movie, the book that became a movie. Right. Um, and she really enjoyed both of those. And wow. she was able to overlook the sex in Hollywood Dirt, which is the one that became a movie. Um, so, but is it stronger than any of the other ones that were turned into movies like Fifty Shades of Grey? Well, it was, um, it hit the New York Times list three or four times and it, it Obviously, was, people are liking it. It was well made for a movie. Yeah. Like it was, it was a perfect. It was a great book to be yeah. made a movie. Uh, I wasn't surprised that it was, but it was also we. My, my wife was reading that, it. and her mother was reading that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like it's not like it was like too over the top for yeah. like you know a sixty something year old. Right. She was. She got my wife. To, you got to read. Them. I've got a huge audience of sixty year old, yeah. sixty to seventy year old women. It's I have a surprisingly large audience of that. But um, it's, yeah, the, I wasn't surprised. The Girl in 60 really is the book that should be a movie. Um, it was optioned by Europa Corps. 
and a script was written and a big, I mean, it, it was headed for, you know, big screen. And, but then, um, the head of Europa Corp, who was like its champion, um, like developed brain cancer and died within two wow. weeks. And like was it was it. like, and that, and that was it. It died with him. So now we've looked at a movie, the, a TV series, and that really, it's about a um, girl who has locked herself in her apartment for six years because, and like never leaves the house. This was written pre today's day and age where anything could be developed, right. you know, delivered to you, but um, because she wants to kill people. So, um, wow. So and, she's not like agoraphobic. She's like, she is, no, but well, she protecting is, herself. She's only agoraphobic because she doesn't want to hurt people, yeah. but she wants to kill people. Wow. And so her job is she's a cam girl, which is like an internet stripper, basically. So she has this huge, like, fake world that she projects online and she has millions of followers and they all think she's this like happy go lucky college right. girl who's like acting out their you know sexual fantasies from her dorm room and, in, and she wants and to kill she's all the of complete them. opposite of all yeah. of that yeah so that would be a great a great movie yeah. um and it was it's now been a trilogy and it's been a huge international success so it's going to happen one day we just need to we just need to find, and now it's better than before. It used to be, it was like, it could only be HBO or Showtime, right? right. Because of the sexual content. Yeah. But now with Amazon Prime and Stars, Disney and, Plus just came yeah. out too. Yeah. Well, I don't, yeah, maybe not Disney Plus, but yeah. No, 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 because <laughs> but Apple TV trust me, they're Plus, going, they're yeah. all going in that direction yeah. of having everything there. Sure. Everything there. Um, no, it's crazy that, that the, the over, the, uh, OTC like market with everything like that you can shop it to and go direct to Hulu yeah. or direct to any of that stuff. That's a, yeah, Hulu, Netflix. They all compete with themselves. Yeah, so now hard there's that, a dozen places yeah. it could go. Um, and every, and in my opinion, in the next ten years, everything's going that way. Yeah, like HBO was the first oh, real getting, breakout yeah. like that. So it's <laughs> been like, why would I want to watch commercials anymore? Would I want to pay six dollars yeah. a month for this and no? Com yes. And, and the production be. quality is yeah. incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. It's amazing what they will do now and with what budgets and TV is really where everything's going. And that has made it harder for books too because we're competing against that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, things could come out quicker, I guess. Yeah, and you can binge on an entire yeah. series. Right. You know? Like out, my wife loves Outlander, so she's like... She she watches the new one that, that will be coming out, but she didn't know about it before, and then it was on like... Uh, epics and she like binged out on that epics and she's like ah, I need more Outlander. Oh see like I have resisted watching any Outlander because I'm like I'm just going to wait until it's completely done. Yeah. You know. Once and you then, start it'll be because it's good away. for like I liked it too. Yeah. So it was it was a good romance in the in the the older times kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, all right so you're like you got shot out of the cannon right mm -hmm. out of the gates and then Tell me how and wh like where you are now with the ability to keep pumping out these books. And clearly, you're like, maybe you exhausted all remembrance of how you and your husband met and yeah. all that. <laughs> now you're like, how are you researching? Where are you getting all this from? And that was really like, so book one was so easy, right? Because it was just like, I knew these characters. And then, and really until like almost the last like 20 pages where it went, off into their kink I could just I could just write the story I knew it was, yeah. it was so easy but then and then I that ended up being a trilogy so I could stay with those characters and the characters are the hardest part really right. once you <clears throat> nail the characters yes. then it's much easier to tell a story from their point of views but 
I had to start coming up with new ideas. Yeah. And um, it took a while. Like I had, like you said, that explosive book one, but then I didn't actually, and I couldn't have hit, I would have hit the New York Times list with that book if it had not been exclusive to Amazon, but it was exclusive to Amazon. So it was eliminated from consideration. Um, it wasn't until my seventh book, I think, before I hit that level again. Right. Um, and that was with a book called Black Lies. And then the next book, Hollywood Dirt, also was crazy. But those ideas, it took me a while to learn how to listen for ideas. Mm. And once I started like listening, like really listening for ideas, then they come from everywhere. So like, what do you mean by listening? Like you're out and you hear people talking or you're watching something on TV and it sparks something? Yeah. So um, it's, and it takes some time to, it like not a lot of time, like 15 minutes of practicing, but it's, it's, li- it's listening. First of all, everyone you meet has a story to tell. Yeah. Like something book worthy has happened to everybody, you know, whether it's a death of a child or, or to them or to someone they know. Okay. And people love to gossip and they love to talk about things like that. So just normal conversations a lot of times, or just watching a couple fighting in a restaurant and you wonder, okay, like what are they fighting about and what secrets is she keeping from him? Or right. is he keeping from her? Secrets feed a lot of my plot lines. Like, um, the, the hidden lies that people don't want us to know that yeah. they have, you know, or that really nice guy on your street who might be keeping someone chained up in his basement, right. you know, and we don't have basements in QS, but right. you know, yeah. so, um, yeah. Or like watching a news story. Um, I, there was a news story a couple of years ago about a guy who was keeping like eight women captive in his house, even though like the doors were unlocked or whatever, but they were just all terrified. Yeah, and then one day they ran out. Yeah. Right. And then they all told the police and it was like, what if they weren't captive? Like what if these eight women were his like girlfriends and one day they got all pissed at him over something. They were right. like, you know what? Like we could say that he's kept us captive for the last eight Let's years and he could get put in jail forever. Yeah. And like, and like, how do you really know that story? Yeah. You have eight women that are all telling the same story, but so that, that right there could be a book, you yeah. know? And so it's, it's listening and then imagining the like, what if, right. And, and the, but the I other see that side. as like, it could be the book and then I'd get page five in. I'd be like, <laughs> okay, that's, that was a good plot. Or I got what? like a beginning, now? middle, I and need, an end. Yeah. I, I need got 314 three pages. more pages. Now how do I fill yeah. this? And it can't be like, and she walked to the bathroom, and when she <laughs> went in there, and that's 20 pages. No. Yeah, it takes some time to learn. Like, But reading was my only training initially. You asked a question yeah. earlier. You said, like, at what point was I like, oh, maybe I should learn how to yeah. actually do this. Um, so initially, reading was my full entertainment. I knew how I liked a story to be told. I knew how I... Um, what I didn't like and how stories were told. And I knew how a story should be told, right. you know? Um, and then writing was really my second teacher was just the more I wrote, the better. Every mm. single scene I wrote, even if I deleted it later, helped me get the next scene was better. But it wasn't until I looked at actually, it was one of those things. It was like, I struggled so much in the beginning, like with marketing, with publishing, everything. I didn't know how to ask for help. So I would trial and error it or Google it and, I would figure it out, but it was so much harder than it needed to be. So it was always like, if I ever figured this thing out, then I want a writing for dummies, publishing for dummies type course where I can teach someone this and they can binge on it and know everything they need to know in a weekend, you know? And, um, but then once I started writing my, 
for or creating my first course, which is how to write your first book. That's my my flagship course. It was like, how do I write a book? Like, right. you know, like I know how to do it and it just comes out of me. But what am I actually doing? Yeah. Like, what are my processes? And so then I really started learning about craft. And then I really started improving as a writer because I was learning all the things that I really should have learned at the beginning. And I didn't because I was intimidated by it or people would talk about like a character arc and I'd be like, ah, like my first editorial letter I got back, she was like, we need to look at the character arc and the plot development and all this stuff. And I was reading, I was go, okay. And I thought I have no idea how to do any of right. that. And so, I did it, but it was So when hard. you're writing this, how to, how to learn to be a writer mm-hmm. and publish these books, you're like... I don't know. This is a natural <laughs> process for me, yeah. right? So, I had to figure out how to dissect that natural process. Did you find, though, that you were instinctively doing a lot of that when you were researching? I was doing it without knowing I was doing yeah, it. Yeah, like you yeah. weren't calling it like the uh, the arc. You yeah, were, <laughs> exactly. I was yeah. doing this. Right. I wasn't like trying to figure out my character's motivations. Yeah. I was just like, oh, like, yeah, I, everything right. I was love doing. And this is the motivation. Yeah. Right. Everything I was doing on my, there were also things I wasn't doing that I didn't know I should be doing. And once I learned that, for example, it'd be like, why is this book like just draining out of me so slowly? Like I was like trudging through this plot. And it was like that point I stopped and I stepped back and I realized I don't know these characters at all. Like I'm writing from the point of view of this woman and I don't really know her at all. Like I right. have like a stick figure in my head of what she's So you're she like learning be. as you're writing about So then her I was like, time. okay, so now I that's something that was like, oh, I need to teach this like in the course. It's like before you ever start on page one. Like you need to really have a muse or have but have a clear picture in your head of this character so that when she bumps into somebody on the street, you know how she's gonna react. Yeah. You know, or if she gets jilted by a lover how is she going to react? Is she going to withdraw or is she going to be like, revenge is on? Right. Like, you know, right. <laughs> I'm going for blood. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you know who she is. Yeah. So do you, do you ever find yourself like weaving in and out of these characters sometimes or are you able to separate? Um, I think every character I write has some of me in it somewhere. Mm. Um, and I'll definitely like when I finished The Ghost Rider, it was such an emotional story. Like I was drained, you know, and I was like depressed, yeah. you know. And I remember like telling my husband, I was like, I just, when I finally finished it, I was like, I finished it and this and this happened. He's like, who was ever going to want to read that book? My husband is the best, um, <laughs> like, gauge because if he thinks it's going to be a horrible idea, then it's the best. It's, it's, it's a winner. Yeah, it's definitely going to blow away every right, other book I've right. ever written. He's like, this thing is going to be the worst. <laughs> like, he's like, it's this on. is so twisted. Like, yeah. why, where are you coming up with this stuff? You know, I'm like, okay, readers are going to love this. So, yeah. So, tell me about your process now because <laughs> you you pumped them all out. You, you have your, your, courses where you're educating people on how to do this, which you've now refined, I'm sure, over time. Before, Actually, before you tell me your process, tell me about this, this seminar that you're doing, the event. Yeah, so InkersCon is uh, um, it's every year. It's in Dallas, Texas, and it's one of the only... I'm sure every writer's conference will now hop on board with this, but we wanted it to be available to attend in person or 100% online. Okay. So, um, because me, I hate to travel. So it was like, I want anyone to be able to attend this online. So everything, um, we have a three-day aspiring authors boot camp, which is 
really small. That is not online because you're working really like one-on-one with my team of editors and marketers. But that's all for aspiring authors. Mm -hmm. And that's because I taught online courses and how to write so much. And everyone's like, that's great. But can I want to like work with you? (laughs) You know, like, you know, I want to actually sit down. And so we created that in-person component. And then um, the Weekend Con is like 24 different presentations and writing publishing and marketing really mostly marketing and craft and um and that's been amazing like we held our first one last year and it was so much work i had no idea how much work it was gonna be a lot (laughs) but um thankfully my project manager is a rock star and she like tackled it and every time i would like add something on it was like like we first started with like 12 presentations and i was like what if we had another room happening at the same time so then suddenly like we're dealing with two videographer teams and you know and and then you could be like and then (laughs) we can have one speaker and a moderator and make it a fireside chat now we've got seven per hour this year i was like i'd like to have like an all-star we have like 10 new york times bestsellers on stage and we ask one question and like each of them answer it, you yeah. know? And then she was like, logistically, this is not going to work. So each person takes two minutes per answer. You know, we're going to spend, right. you know, 40 minutes on the first question. Yeah. I was like, okay. You have to break but, it into <laughs> segments because I've, I've done a bunch of conferences myself. And, uh-huh. and when you do the fireside chat, you can have like, okay, there's a superstar who's the main person speaking. Mm-hmm. Then usually the modera- moderator and the other fireside chat people who will be mm-hmm. getting the questions asked are sponsors. Uh-huh. So they're like paying. Yeah. They're smart, right? You want to sure. make sure that it's educational yeah. stuff, but they're also part of the sponsorship that's going on. So mm-hmm. that's like the deal. Hey, you want to speak? And that was its own job in itself, yeah. like sponsorship. Yeah. So it's oh, like, yeah. oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. Like, no, logistically, and everything. then you got food yeah. and beverage, and then you got to deal with the yeah. police, and then you got to deal with pipe and drape and audio. I mean, I've put these things together, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I thought I was like, just yeah. going to do sales. Now I got to do operations, and it's like... You know. And that was boot camp was something I added tacked on kind of like five months before. It was like, what if yeah. we did? Like no, but that's great. That's really great for the writers, yeah. the people who want to learn that stuff. Okay, back to my initial question of the what is your like, how do you set up your writing process? Do you have a process now, or is it? I have coffee and wander and then it comes to me or do you say it's the same thing every day kind of thing? And Well, I'm terrible about keeping a schedule. That would be the best thing to do. And I tell myself all the time, like, okay, I'm going to get up and from six to nine every morning I'm going to write. That's it. But that it never works out that way. And especially our lives are just too volatile. Like something's always going on. Right. There's always in, in, in Key West, there's yeah, always something exciting, right? But, um, but normally I sit down and I try to write three to four hours a day. I'm a combination of a pantser, which is someone who just writes without an outline and just sits down and just starts writing. I wrote my first six books completely like that, just wow. pantsed away. And now I do a combination of outlining and pantsing because that's how I work best. I call it panty lining, but <laughs> my male students hate that. Right. So and he, one, one of my students came up with planter, which is a plotter and a uh, pantser. Yeah. So, um, so I... Is that the first you've heard of, d- of being done that way? I did not come up with panty liner. I stole that from somebody Okay, so somewhere. other writers... And I've never heard planter, <laughs> but, but definitely a lot of authors do a kind of yeah. combination so you gotta two. have shirts with like hashtag planter <laughs> and sell that swag at the at inkers con yeah absolutely 
Um, so I, I'll normally know my next five scenes. I know basically the next five mm. scenes I'm going to write. And then as I'm writing those, I'm thinking about the next five. Are scenes. you re are you rereading as you're going or not normally? Okay. No. Okay. No. And do you, do you tell me a time where you were just like days had gone by of no writing, meaning you're just staring at the yeah, page. So I very rarely have writer's block. I've I've had it once or twice. Because I know you could train through that. It's like yeah. anything else. You just yeah, and write. a lot of authors are like, "There's no such thing." Right. Well, there is such a thing, but typically, what it's caused by is either you don't know the characters, or you've written yourself into a corner, right. and there's nothing. And at that point, you need to go back and delete the last five thousand words you wrote and go in a different path. And that a lot of people don't want to do because they're like. I wrote the, the well, you know, you could just save them somewhere so, else. Well, then, I don't ever delete anything. Right. right you never <laughs> I copy know. and paste it into a, a random exactly. document that I will never look at again, but it makes me feel it. better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and, uh, but there was one book, a uh, book called tight. That was just, I wrote that book four different times with four different endings, completely different endings. I mean, that required me to basically rewrite the entire novel every time. Um, and that was really the only time I was really stuck. And it was just because I just didn't know really like Thank the identity you. of that Thank book. You. Thank I know. You. <laughs> <laughs> the smattering of applause. Yeah, it was a brilliant statement. I think yeah, it is. That was brilliant. Brilliant. So um, that was really the only time that I've really been stuck. Mm. Um, I've been lucky enough and it helps that I write. When I am on a roll, I write every single day. So that was going to be my next question. Yeah. When you're on a roll... You just won't stop, right? You'll go to yeah. bed and wake up, and if you keep going, you keep going. I right? keep going. Yeah, yeah. And I work a lot of times. The last three days of the manuscript are like twelve to fifteen hour days, and my family, my husband's the best support system because I mean he knows I'm like I'm on deadline, and it's always my own deadline right. that I've set. But I'm like I'm on deadline. I've got to do this, and he right. He's bringing he brings food me food. And, right. Yeah, he like. He's like, honey, brush I'm your teeth. It's been four days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't showered in days. Yeah. And, yeah. and he forgives me for being snarky. And uh, yeah. Wow. So you have your schedule, which is kind of no schedule. Unless yeah. you're in a role, then you're right. like, we're going to go knee deep into this. And at what point did you want to move to Key West while you were in this process? Right. Because you started mm -hmm. writing in Destin. In Destin. And then. Yeah. You know, coming down here for you, if like, I don't know if it was because your husband, but for you as a writer, it's like, this is great. I'm going to Key West. This is like art. Central. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. It's harder for me to write here in Key West really? than it has been anywhere. Yeah. Because there's so much, there's so much to do. Like mm. it's just, and it's, so it's very laid back. It's is, a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it would be very easy if I was in Maine in a cabin right. somewhere with nothing to do. And rainy days are the best because yeah. it's like there's Physical nothing. Rain, yeah. There's like, no, what else am I going to do? But yeah, when my husband's going out on the boat and I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, so, but, um, we, we always vacationed a marathon every mm -hmm. summer. We'd be in marathon for a couple weeks. And that was always the thought like, oh, we'll retire. And we'll move to Marathon. My yeah. husband's in commercial real estate, so he works all around Florida. I mean, right. his his projects are like malls and um, resorts and things like that. So he's all over the place with his work. He can really work from anywhere. Um, but we always thought we'd retire to Marathon. And then um, we stayed in Key West one summer instead, just like on a fluke. And it rained every day for the first three weeks and it was like the biggest blessing because we were like if we were in marathon right now we would be going stir crazy yeah but there was so much to do in yeah, key west yeah. and we really just fell in love like at that point there was like 
okay, Key West is where it's going to yeah. be. And we weren't really planning on coming until 2021, which is when my son um, graduates high school. Uh-huh. But um, it was kind of one of those, it's like, if we're going to do it, like, yeah. let's do it. Life is short. Um, so even though it was not convenient, we came down two years early. Um, and uh, And I don't regret it at all. But it is... It is, um, my productivity has gone down. And I, and so I have to figure out, I just have to figure out a schedule. Yeah, yeah. And now, have where has been primarily the location of how all these novels take place? Are they up north? Are they <laughs> in warm climate? I mean, how is that? Well, like, now, you're going to be writing beachy boating yeah. <laughs> ones now soon that you're down here with fishermen? It's funny because I hot keep... Hot fishermen with hooks and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hot fishermen. <laughs> um a lot of my novels are set in California. A lot of them are set in Florida. Uh, every time I go on the boat, I, I'm thinking about this like Key West mystery series. But uh, recently I was in um, the bookstore. Yeah, Books on, and Books. No, not Books and Books. Um, Island Bookstore. Uh-huh. And, um, and I was looking. There are a lot of Key West mystery series that yeah. are... I mean, it's like it is a, a crowded market. So I don't know. That's one of the things that's kind of hard. It's hard for me to envision a story set in Key West. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know why. Well, um, you can take the just boating is. and the warm weather and the island and it's on an island yeah. somewhere. It doesn't yeah. have to be that's Key West because mm-hmm. I don't know many novels where they're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, people are like, what's going on in Key West? Like, yeah. Nobody, they're going to shrug that off a little bit. But if it was like the well, Cayman it's Islands. Hard, or- and it's not a lot of my novels are like uh, readers want to read about billionaires and things like that. And yeah. that's just not we're not exactly. that flashy yeah. world, you know? So, and it, we don't have like a mob aspect to yeah, the island right. or, you know, right. anything. Um, right. And you don't need like the, the mayor no being men. like, listen, yeah. you're hurting the economy right. here because you got a big seller and they think that like the mobs down here selling cocaine. Right. Yeah. Okay. There are a lot of plot lines that do die in Key West. So. <laughs> That's nobody's fault. We're not gonna. We're not gonna change it. Yeah, it, it has. That's the thing. Yeah, you can't change Key West. So no, no. Okay, so you're down here. You're navigating the fact that there's a lot of cool things to do, so that you'll eventually get in the groove of how you're going to be writing in here. Tell me about um, some of your favorite places being down here now. <laughs> favorite place to go out to dinner or favorite happy hour? Any of those places? Sure. Yeah. So. Um, we we explore the island a lot. Yeah. So we're not homebodies. I don't cook. My husband doesn't cook. So um, we are out of the house a lot more than we're in it, which is another reason why it's so distracting. But we love um, Boathouse Happy Hour. Uh-huh. Little Pearl is probably our favorite yes. restaurant. And um, El Sabinet, gosh, I think I eat at El Sabinet three times a week. Um, so there's a lot of places. Um, Have you been to Lola's Bistro yet? I've I've never even heard of Lola's Bistro. They Where just, is it? They it's right on uh, Simonton. Uh huh. And it's got. I just interviewed him. It's coming out this Friday. Okay. So they what they've done is he's from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He's like classically trained. He's all French and Italian, but 
does all Italian food there. Oh, and it's well, we love reservation, it. Italian, reservation so. <laughs> only. Bring your own wine and beer. Uh-huh. I love and it so far. There's this no great. menu. They just he'll just tell you this is it. He's like it's literally as big that as where we like are here. That sounds like everything that I love. In it a is restaurant. everything because when yeah. I grew up in New York, it's like you walk in there, grandma's cooking, and she's like right there, like he'll cook, and I'm like, so how many sous chef? He's like, no, I'm the only one here. Uh-huh. I have one server. His wife's in the back over there, and that's it. And he'll bring the food right over to you. And but the quality is like because he was cooking in there uh-huh. like some braised thing before the interview, and I'm like, you're killing me with this. But it's like you got to so make it open right now. Yeah, they just uh, open. We'll go there in the next two days. You have to I'm make sold. a reservation because uh-huh. like a week in advance. Yeah. Like, I'm going to try to okay, make a reservation Lola's for Friday. Bistro. Yes. Is it on open table or no? I don't think so. Probably not. Let's, Probably not. Yeah. You got to like call <laughs> yeah, in and do it. And it's it's just cute in there. Mm-hmm. And there's like nine or ten tables only. Yeah. So like when we were in there, some guy came in. He's like, I got a party of eight. And he's like, you're going to take a third of the whole restaurant. Yeah. Buddy. But it's great. Really. Lola's great. Bistro. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be one of my favorites. Yeah. Because we, that's it. I mean, eating is our like yeah. <laughs> primary source of entertainment. Yeah. So. And it's all, almost all locals Yeah, because if you're on vacation, you don't want to bring a bottle of wine. You mm-hmm. want to have all this So booze. does it have air conditioning? Yes. It does. Yes. So that's like the number one. Yes. It has beautiful air yeah. conditioning and, and he built like this table that he's got all the vegetables on it. So you mm-hmm. see all the fresh vegetables and, vegetables and the herbs all over the table. Mm-hmm. So he's like cooking it like right there. That's and heaven. Then, yeah, it's heaven, heaven. I love that. And yeah. he's from New England, so it's like a New England feel. Like I said, in New York, you round that corner, you walk in, and some grandmother's cooking, and it's like, this is her kitchen. And he's a pastry chef, so he makes all the dessert, like everything. The pasta, he makes scratch, he makes everything. Scratch. Everything, yeah. so. My husband would love that, because he's like, his mom is from South Georgia, and his dad's from Sicily. Yeah. So he grew up, he always says, like, he had no chance of being skinny, because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's, a, she, like, tried to teach me how to make lasagna, and the moment I realized she's making her own pasta, yes. I was like, I, I'm sorry, this is never going to happen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm Italian, too, so I like making my own pasta. My yeah. grandmother showed me her recipes, and it's something I like to do, but, yeah, once you know how to do that, it's hard to go the it's other way. It's hard to go back, yeah. Um, what, what's your favorite thing to do here that like say friends were going to come into town and mm-hmm. they've never been to Key West, where would you bring them? Where would them? they go? Sure. Yeah. So a lot of things, I always recommend you at some point in time, go to sunset on white street pier. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's really cool, especially if you have dogs because a bunch of dog owners have their dogs there and it's just a really cool, like it's just a beautiful place to watch the sunrise. We recently went to the, uh, I'm worried I'm going to get the name wrong, but it's like Key West, rum distillery yes that's it and um they have a rum tasting that is so much fun and like 10 bucks it's like ridiculously cheap that's good rum too yeah and it's great rum and we had a so much fun there so that's something i recommend um i always encourage everyone to go buy glazed donuts and grab a donut yes great coffee too yeah great coffee great coffee yeah Yeah. and if you get a chance um the Tropic Cinema is one of my favorite places to go just because it's such a unique yes. experience. They have a membership, too, where you can pay like for the year and, yeah, and go and all the time. It's free great. tickets. Yeah. yeah. We were members last year. Um, Those are good tips. Those are good ones. Yeah. If you keep going, you're going to say everything. I know. And Geiger Key. If you're going to get off island, it's at Mile Marker 10. Oh, yeah. I heard. Geiger That's like Key beachy. Marina. Oh, it's a There's marina? There's a marina, but it's a restaurant. It's oh, really, okay. a re- ignore the word marina, because. Um, but if you go to, it's owned by Hogfish, uh-huh. and but the food is amazing, the view is amazing, you have a breeze, It's they have live music there a lot, 
But breakfast, I mean, I, we went there for breakfast one wow. day and I was just blown away. So breakfast, lunch, or dinner, it's, um, it's just well worth the trip. And you can, we get there on boat a lot, but drive there. Yeah. But you've got, you've got to go sometime if you have a car. Awesome. Awesome. Um, what about uh, for live music? Where do you go? You know what? We're not really big live music people. We're trying to get better. We go to Hank's. Um, okay. I like, I think it's Bo. Um, there's a guy that I like to listen to. Um, so we've been trying to go to Hank's. And General Horseplay is yeah. our favorite bar, if you've never been there. Um, but I'm, we're trying to get more into the live music because so many people enjoy it. Yeah. But um, it's just for us, we've just never. But we're also normally in bed by 10. So. Right. And it also <laughs> depends on the kind of music you like. You yeah. Know, if, 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 I mean, we're you know, pretty easygoing. The, easy the, the parrot like is good on a Sunday. Everything. Like my yeah. wife and I will go there because they have nice mm-hmm. jazz, and you can kind of sit at the edge. Yeah, like you're not. We, in the we mix. need normally for us air conditioning is the main yeah. thing. but this time of year it's great. It, it's great everywhere. So yeah, yeah. we've yeah. been to the parrot a few times, but um, and the tuna smoking tuna always has a great. See, I've music. never been to smoking tuna. Yeah. So Charlie Bauer is the owner of the Smoking Tuna, and mm-hmm. he's the one that puts on the Songwriters Festival. Oh, okay. so this is the 25th year. That's primarily country, mm-hmm. but see, we love country music. I like, love Sergio it too. Simpson is so, is our but guy. he like this past weekend. Mm-hmm. It was on Friday. I interviewed these two guys that were going on there, and it was called the Songwriter Session. Mm-hmm. And what they do is. The Songwriters Festival is all these songwriters come and they're singing the music that they wrote for other people, but the way they kind of put the twang on it. So these guys who are amazing are singing like, you know, all these songs that you know. That you've heard a hundred times, but you've never heard exactly. And he was telling one story, Craig Wiseman was telling one story and he was like, yeah, I wrote this song and I think it was Brad Paisley or someone, one of those guys. And he was like, and in the song, it says Tutti Frutti. And he's like, bro, I cannot have two i cannot have this song with tootie he's like i'm not changing tootie fruity <laughs> and then and then like the people who work with him like listen you realize you're a song writer <laughs> just write it. so then he was like driving home and he saw like the big lights at a football thing and he put like you know big lights big city instead he's yeah. like but i'm singing it and he sang it for <laughs> and us he sang it and, with he, tutti frutti. and he sang it with tootie fruity and my wife and i were like i'm glad he took that tootie fruity out it wasn't as good as you know the stuff like that but those are the interesting stories to hear from them yeah and if you're into country a little bit the songwriters yeah we love awesome. we yeah. love country and um i remember so many people talked about it last year and it was like we were like oh we're gonna do songwriters and then it was so overwhelming like yeah. we didn't know where to go yeah. we didn't know if parking was gonna be an issue and it got to the point it was like looking at a sea of events and we ended up just not going to a single yes, one because yes. it was like i couldn't when it's too much, that's and, the only problem with yeah. this place is like, I'm used to going, if I'm going to go to like a big event, mm-hmm. you can go to one place and I like just to be told what to do. Yeah. Go here, go here, yeah. go here. But for but fantasy, like with fantasy fest, fest, it's like there's eight things one night there's and you have no idea where to go. There's venues and you're yeah. like, I'm going to go to two. I need nine different outfits. I'm yeah. going to two and I can't take it anymore. <laughs> we it's, got really burnt out this year with Fantasy Fest and um, we got great advice after the fact, which was like, you got to do every other night. And, yeah. And, you know, so do zombie bike ride and then do two two tuesday and then do like something on thursday and then go out on saturday you know but and the the other nights off you have to just pretend it doesn't exist right because we were like oh my god like like you said there's like 14 different events like we have to go to this we have to go that some of the two o'clock in the afternoon you know and it's like yeah i know and then you're like and we were just so tired by thursday we were like i don't i don't want to see another person but you should just tell your husband we have to go for research because (laughs) 
If I if you turn a corner, you probably see some That's stuff. It's exactly what's going on in your books. Because I had some great conversations with people that were into things that I just didn't even know about. Yeah. You know? And it's just, I love hearing, like, I've now written, I want to say like five swinger books. And I've learned so much from talking. And it was like, the internet's amazing. Because yeah. I can go online and I can like chat with three different couples who will tell me everything. Right. Because... I'm never going to see them. They're yeah, never going to see me. They're right. completely anonymous. And I can be like, honestly, like, what, what does this do for you? Like, why did you get into it? How did he bring this up to you? And you yeah. go, okay. Right. You know, and, and it was like, I really like from talking to so many different perspectives, it was like, okay, I can understand. This may not be for me, but I can understand yes. enough to plausibly have characters who agree with this and who participate in this and who can convince the reader that they're not crazy and creepy. Right. And, it, and it, you could see how it makes sense for that couple. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. then having that understanding enables you to do it the right way mm-hmm. because, you know, there's so many different advances when it comes to writing anything. Yeah. And some of the songwriters that I've been talking to who are younger are like, so when they're writing, a lot of times it's like, I feel some emotion. I have to let it out. It comes out in a song and it's done in such a good way that when the fan hears it, they it feel com- that it way comes out in them. And they feel that way. Even if they don't feel that way, like right. I've listened to a, like an Adele song yeah. and it triggers that emotion in you. Yeah. Even if you aren't heartbroken, yeah. I'm perfectly happy, but you can still like associate with that and be like, God, I remember when I was 13 and I was, my heart was crushed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you can really sink into and enjoy right. that emotion. But even then if the you advanced songwriters right that when I talk to them and they're like, "Oh, I have no emotion when I wrote that song. <laughs> I I have the ability to put myself. They can create it. Like yeah. instead of them feeling it mm-hmm. to then transfer it to the song, this person singing, they envision the singer, and if it's said a certain way that the audience will love it coming from the singer, which is now an advanced way to do it, right? Like you're not swinging, but you're able to understand from their point of view to then put it down. So if people are interested in that, they're not like, this woman doesn't know idea what she's talking about. Which is kind of, I think with my first book, how they were, they were like, she got this all wrong, you know? And so it was like, okay, well, like I'll do research with the second book. I'll figure it out. And how was the research? Were you a little bit like, uh, a little achy after or? Well, I went into it with, a completely different outlook or like a scientist opinion than I left with Mm. because I did come in very judgmental. Like it was like, and, um, but it was like, once I talked to, you know, these couples, like I really, it really made sense. Like I totally understand why some couples do that. Like it, and, and I also was, I I went into that lifestyle with this opinion that like, the guy is greedy and just wants to have sex right. with a bunch of other people. And I learned the difference between like an open marriage versus, you know, like, and some couples like do their own thing, which I still don't understand that. Right. Like, but, um, so it or was the husband like, could do it and then it's okay. But if the wife's going to do it now, now right. that's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> kind of right. Thing. Yeah. And so, and some like, it's just, I just didn't, I went into it really having no idea and thinking it was more just like these couples don't really love each other and they want to be able right. to do whatever they want to do, you know, without having to be monogamous. And I left there with being like, okay, it's it, it's more about them like enhancing their relationship right. and this is how they um, 
explore, you know, their sexuality together. Right. Yeah. And try out different things and they do it like knowing that they can trust the other person. Um, I want to know, I want to know if you've ever had like a couple that are a fan, Mm -hmm. say you're out, maybe not here or somewhere else. Sure. And you, and, and you say who you are and the wife's like, oh my God. I've read that book. I've read those books. I'm such a big fan. So, by the way, <laughs> okay, I get I, need, I get I asked that question I know that's all happened. the time. No, very rarely in person. Mm. People are much more aggressive uh, online right. and much more like uh, confident about asking questions. Um, so, I get that question all the time, and I've gotten that question from normal readers who have no. Uh, crazy sex life at all yeah. you know what i mean um and so the number one question is always like but especially because in interviews i'll say a lot of times that the main character was based on my husband right. so then the next question is like oh okay yeah. so do y'all do this so I, and i'm always straight up with them but i've had a lot of people privately message me and say like i'm in the lifestyle and a lot of times that's then followed up with like you messed up this and this uh-huh. but then a lot of set They've said, have you tried this, you know? And so I I get that question all the time. And it's also caused like when, so when. Like I figured you'd get hit, you and your husband would get hit on by some other couple thinking that this is what you do. Surprisingly enough, I don't know that that has ever happened. That's good. That's Um, awesome. I don't think. Well, I know it's never happened. Yeah. If they've said something to my husband, right. I don't know about it. I know it's never happened. What has happened is couples that we would hang out with all the time, like for years, suddenly take giant steps back. Wow. Once they read my books. But do you and come out like, and like, I would be bringing that elephant out immediately. I'll be like, listen, Jane, this is the way it is. <laughs> this is not us. You're going to read this book. You're going to think maybe this... Yes, a lot of this sure, is us, right. but the things that's going to make you take a step back, that's not us. You know what? Honestly, I didn't have that conversation, but it was like, like you know us. Right. Like, you know I'm a total prude about yeah. stuff. And like I don't – and the way kind of it started with Destin, it was like we told one person who then told someone else before you knew it. So I think it and went through altered. the gossip. Yeah. Like, and so I think there were a lot of whispers, and suddenly it was like where we always went to so-and-so's house for – Halloween, like we weren't invited. Right. You know what I mean? They're like and, hiding their kids' right, eyes yeah. when you walk <laughs> by. Like, 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 but maybe because you're, you're like you just said, oh, I was a prude. So maybe because you're so straight laced yeah. that they're like, oh, this definitely happened. Yeah. They got that dungeon <laughs> with that weird contraption because yeah. you're not. It's right. the opposite of that. Yeah. So I don't know. People are weird like that. Or maybe, look, maybe they're, maybe they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, well, that's the thing. You yeah, never maybe, know. Maybe and they're, they're like, like, I'm getting exposed. She must have known. Yeah. yeah. I bet these here. characters are based on <laughs> right. us. Yeah. But it was like somebody the other day was like, like I wrote a book with a, you know, like a, um, like a tech guy, uh-huh. you know? And so then like one of my husband's friends like, oh, is that character based on me? Like, because you're a tech guy? Right. No. Like the dashingly you be like, handsome yes, gorgeous that was guy you. was not based on you. Remember that one eyed sloth guy who got killed? That was you. That That was you. you. Exactly. Well, that's like Oprah did an interview with Lady Gaga, and they were just laughing about how that whole frenzy of after she did the movie, that, Mm -hmm. oh, they're having this big affair and stuff. And she's like, listen. You mean like a star is born after a star is born? Yeah. She's like, well, I was the same way. I was like, oh my God, they're in love. Right. They're like, (laughs) my job was to be in love with a character who was played by. Bradley Cooper, 
we did the a good end. job. Yeah. We did a good job then. You know, I mean, come on. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. But that's why. But people are strange like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still print magazines about those two. Like, yeah. Still. Like yeah. That. There's that's... still Google. Yeah. So. so. All right. Well, tell me, do you have an end in this type of romance? Are you are you just like, I love what I'm doing. I'm just going to keep pumping them out until I wake up one day and there's no more to pump out. So one thing I didn't say earlier was like my second book was a suspense yes. and it was like, oh, okay, I'll write suspense now. But what happened is I ended up with this huge, suddenly ravenous audience of romance. Yeah. And so then it was like, okay, I can feed the beast right? or I can let the beast die. But if I really want a career in this, I need to feed the beast. Yeah. So I now write both and I now, I enjoy writing romance um, and my opinions of romance have changed completely since when I started, when I was like, ah, I hate romance. Right. <laughs> I mean, there was an early video. I was like, oh, Harlequin books, ah. And, you know, Harlequin ended up making my career in yeah. a lot of ways. So, but um, I will always write romance now because I love writing romance, but I also really love writing suspense. So I like mixing it up. Yeah. And I've done a lot of disservices to my career because I have jumped genres. It would be much easier if I just wrote romance. But that's not the way my mind works. Right. And, you know? and this is what you love to do. It's not and about I, yeah, your career. It's about life thing. and living. Yeah. And if you're enjoying it, this is, look, this, this, that may have been the smartest statement you just <laughs> said because it could be the secret sauce to why you're able to pump out exactly. all these books because you're not doing what everybody says. Like I interviewed this artist, a painter. And it's funny because there's such a crossover between artists and musicians and business mm-hmm. that like if you all just got together in a room and listened to each other you'd make some wild beast some, of something yeah. because like a musician or an author or a painter you know they'll sit there and they're like oh well i'm in the no business they're used to having rejection all the time mm-hmm. but yet like somebody but yet they'll put out one instagram post and be like boohoo i didn't get a lot of likes <laughs> and it's like but what yeah. boohoo with that one song <laughs> yeah. 50 million songs ago right. it's the same thing or if you're a painter, this guy I was talking to, it's like, you don't want to get caught into your own monster, mm-hmm. which is, I paint all of these different characters. And this one particular character, four of the purple characters got purchased. So now I'm going to do all purple. Right. Because I'm feeding what my customer sure. wants. So you want to give your customer what they want, but you also have to completely change it too. You may write like some sci-fi thriller. Right. You just don't know. You don't yeah, know. Yeah, like I have a time traveler book that's been like you can do dinging around things. in my head forever. And that's usually what happens is the artist that has become had some sort of success mm-hmm. and now after decades of doing it one way, put out something totally out mm-hmm. of the ordinary and then win the award for that or something well, like thing. that. You know? A lot of times readers don't know what they want Yeah, you know, until they, they get there. And no one thought they wanted vampire romances right. until Twilight. Or no one thought they wanted a story about wizards right. until Harry Potter. So, and nobody thought yeah. that they'd pay for bottles of water that's yeah. free out of the tap. But guess what? It's the biggest it's industry. Yeah. It's just <laughs> you don't exactly know. Right. Nobody yeah. knows. So you have to just do what feeds mm-hmm. you. Okay, quickly, because we're going to end soon. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Tell me about your marketing. What are you doing from a marketing standpoint? Oh my God, everything. The spaghetti method. I mean, we just throw everything at it. Now it's easy because everything's a, everything's a well-oiled machine. So Is it um, all social, primarily social? Um, my newsletter and Facebook ads feeds 90% of my sales. Um, and the Facebook ads 
are necessary only because my social media audience doesn't see a lot of my posts, yeah. you know, due to visibility. Well, it's organic. You have to. You yeah. have to pay. So, um, so that's really what I focus on the most. Is so you're building, building your list building. I'm list building. To then get a group of your raving fans mm-hmm. so that when you're like, I have this book coming out, do you do like a slow leak with them? Like say that you know the book's done and publisher's like, okay, we're putting this out summer of 2020. Are you like to that list slowly teasing them things along the way? Like I'd be like, hey, here's this advanced half of a chapter yeah. that I'm going to put out to you. And they're like foaming and, and ready for this. <laughs> well, you hope they are. Yeah. The worst is when you put out that half of a chapter and it's like silent. Yeah. And they um, send it back. Yeah, exactly. I, um, so it's different. Like I have a, a psychological suspense. that's going to come out in October. Okay. Um, so that one I very rarely mention, and then I'll start mentioning more and more as we get closer to it. But my self-published stuff, normally I write it and then I publish it two months later. Yeah. So I will, um, let them know as I'm writing it all about it. And then heavy promo starts, um, three to four weeks before release. That's when I release the cover. That's when I, you know, really do heavy promo. And I, the reason I don't do heavy promo until then is because I get burnout. Like, and, and what's um, heavy promo mean? You heavy traveling? Promo, no, no. Okay. I don't do any traveling anymore. Um, I rarely do book signings anymore. Um, but heavy promo is, uh, I am posting multiple times a day in my private groups in my public groups on social media and that it's, um, my newsletter, which goes out once a month, you know, I'll put it there. And then the cover reveal is a huge push with bloggers and yeah. my reader promotion group. I have a reader promotion group who What goes about out. like influencers? Um, well, I am c- lucky enough to have probably 30 or 40 huge authors who we all promote each other. Stuff. Okay. Okay. So th- those are our influencers. But what about fans? I mean, you must have fans that have massive Instagram, like say well, followers. Well, that's what, like my reader promotion group yeah. is like 200 readers who ha- have agreed to promote nice. the cover good, and good. to promote release. Right. So like to that. everyone else out there, that's the, that's the, um, working with like Instagram influencers to promote your business, whether mm-hmm. if you have a restaurant or a product out there, you're hoping that they love what you have. And then you're either doing a deal with them on a swap of product or you're doing a deal with them where you're paying them. Right now, it's underpriced because they don't know how to price it. There's no standard for that. So yeah. somebody with 20 million followers may be like 30 grand <laughs> and another person may be like, just give me free product. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, so you don't know. You just have to play with it. And it's hard because it's a lot of times with those, there's no... Amazon has been very difficult with us about data. So it's very hard to know where your sales are coming yeah. from. And um, it used to be like we could use an affiliate link for all different things and then just gauge how many sales came in on that. And they don't like that. I don't know why. Um, so uh, affiliate accounts are getting shut down if you're not using them. But you don't sell the right direct way. then from your, like, your website. No. I'm going to start selling audiobooks direct. Um, but even that goes through an audiobook portal so I don't get their email address. The only thing I sell direct is um, signed paperbacks. Wow. And I only do that twice a year. I used to do that all the time, but it was like a full-time So job. that's because you have publishing deals that you're not allowed to sell or? Um, no, it's not that. It's that every single ebook that I sell on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Apple Books increases 
its visibility on the site through other things. Right. So if I take 5,000 copies that I would have sold on Amazon and I sell those 5,000 copies direct, one, readers just don't like to do it. They, they like using what they, they know, you know. But if I sold those 5,000 direct, I would lose out on thousands of dollars of what I would have to pay for product placement on Amazon that's going to happen naturally Got if it. I have 5,000 sales. On so you don't week. have a big enough audience that you own the audience where you can say, this book's coming out. I have a million person audience. Let's go direct to you guys. I'll drop the price by two bucks, but I'm collecting all of it. Right. So if I did do that, Amazon would price match. So that's part of it. But, um, but no, because if, because I you could not want, go to Amazon at all. And just I could go not go to Amazon at all. But it's occasionally, every once in a while, an author does that. And then they never do it again, which is all I really need to know. Right. Like, so I've, I've watched authors with huge followings be like, I'm releasing this ebook exclusively on my website, not set. Yeah. And um, the problem is for every book that releases, I probably sell 40% of those copies to my existing audience and the rest are people are who randomly find it. Yeah. And and but what's crazy is I have the same number of sales each time, which means that existing audience isn't seeing those new releases. Yeah. Even though I have text message notifications, you know, and they're getting an email and I'm posting on social media, like it's still people will still be like three months later, like, oh, I just saw that you came right. out with this book. It's like, but dude, you I've been can still co- you're still collecting email addresses from your own marketing. Yeah. Yeah, but it's perfect because listen, I agree a thousand percent. You don't want to fight the beast. Mm-hmm. Amazon is a beast. They look out for their customer first anyway. It's yeah. not like it's a horrible company. They're great right. when it comes to that. And your list, you just push them to Amazon right. to make the purchase. Yeah. It's like good. It's it's good because you're still collecting and growing your own list. Yeah. Because you don't want Amazon. Which or, is the only to, thing I have yeah, control over. Or anybody Even social to push media. You I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah. Like a lot of realtors are like, awesome, I'm getting all my leads from Zillow until Zillow now started selling their own homes and are pushing all realtors out. Yeah. So you're just like, oh my God, I just got caught like the monster turned. Yeah. Right? Because a toll booth collector always wins. But you collecting those emails and building your own audience is great because, and and you're making them happy because you're feeding them to them. And look, you're right. People like to do it. People have uh, Prime for things that get shipped and anything ebook wise, they like to have it all done that way too. And the big fear is that one day Amazon is going to, um, you know, turn on us. I mean, that's but how are they going to do that unless they hire fear. you full time to work for them and pay uh-huh. you a lot of money to only release directly with them and no Barnes and Noble. Well, they're already they're already doing that though. You're, I am strongly incentivized to be exclusive to Amazon. Out of my twenty two, well, take away the publisher books. Out of my seventeen self published novels. 16 of them are exclusively with Amazon right? because they're giving me increased exposure. And so if one day Amazon's like, you know what? Instead of us paying 70% on eBooks, we're only going to pay 50% on eBooks. It's like, what are we going to do? Right. You know, I mean, that's 90% of my sales. They already pretty much kind of screwed us with Kindle Unlimited. And with a Kindle Unlimited, somebody can read my book for a dollar and 80 cents, where normally I would have made 250 if they yeah. purchased it. So... Um, I would build my audience as massive as you can on all social media and all email so that if the, the day ever comes where they say, 
yeah. you're out. We're paying you 20% now because you have no alternative. You'll at least have a group of, you'll have a way to do it because it happened with music musicians, mm-hmm. right? They made all their money on record sales. That's why they were like selling CDs, slinging yeah. CDs out of the back of their car. And until all of a sudden it was like, hey, Spotify came in and now it's like free. Yeah. And they don't make any money on that. It has to be played a billion crappy. times to yeah. make anything. And so, even then, they're not really making hardly. Right. Yeah. But you're really smart because you're doing the courses. Yeah. You're doing the con, right? Mm-hmm. The events. Yeah. You're doing other things that's branching out while building your audience. I wish, I know Instagram wouldn't let things like this because it's just their policy, but it'd be so cool if like this book you have coming out in October, you created an Instagram account, which was the name of the character and you're able to start posting like you were that character leading up to the book. But like, what are they going to show like a knife in the head? Yeah, no, I did do that actually with one of my books, Love Chloe. Um, Every chapter, at the beginning of the chapter, it showed like an Instagram post from her that had like a photo that was set which is such a pain in the ass because I had to have licensed photos and I had yeah. models for a photo shoot and all that stuff. But, and then she had an Instagram account and then, but it was like trying to get the timing because normally someone swipes through an Instagram account like from most recent posts back. Yeah. Right. But you don't really want them doing that in the book because then they're starting like at the end of the book. Yeah. And then, so it was like, and they I may not like, see it all. So you'd have to pay then to make sure. Yeah. People so saw it was it. like, what? But this was like, you know, that was three or four years ago. People were just like excited to see that she had an Instagram account and it matched like yeah. the posts that were in the, in the book. Yeah. So. That's more cutesy than anything else. Yeah. Okay. So this is the end of the podcast. Thank I really appreciate so having, uh, having the time with you. And it was so insightful to all these things and having you as a now local resident down here, as long as you don't turn Key West into a bloodbath <laughs> in one of your books, we'll be okay. But the last parting question is what will be your tip of the day for us? It could be a new gadget. It could be a new pair of shoes, or it could be a new book you're reading or movie you're excited for to come out. Oh, you're really putting me on the spot. I know. What I- <laughs> My tip of the day. Um, well, if you're into tech stuff, my tip of the day is uh, Zapier is a, pro, a yes. item I really love and it automates so many tasks. So now when someone does sign up on my website, it automatically adds them to a certain list, which puts them in an automation and also, you know, triggers me to, you know, look them up on social media. So that's something I use every single day. Yeah. Well, you don't use it. You set it up and then it exactly. uses itself, I which set is the it up beauty of and it. it does like 4,000 automations every day, Yeah, which is perfect. Which is good too if you have an assistant for something because you can have tasks that are being done and completed like sales mm-hmm. or emails or anything like that. And that can go to like a Google Sheets spreadsheet exactly. that they can have access to log in and see or stuff like that. So, And the other thing that I really love is rev.com, R-E-V.com. And it's a transcriber. But I'll voice record entire chapters of a book and then I send it to them and within an hour someone's typed it all up for me. That's great. And they Rev, put in the good... punctuation and mm. everything that I need. Um, they and put they... in a couple new chapters. Yeah, like, what is... I wish. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while they mark it like explicit and I feel like I've been like slapped on the hand. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's great. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you again so much. I'll put where everyone could find you in the show notes, websites, Instagram accounts. Is there anything else besides what I'd find online that you'd want me to No, do? so I have two websites. My a book website is alessandratori.com. But if you're interested in being a writer, if you already are a writer, alessandratori, Inc., which is I-N-K, dot nice. com is my writing And website. that talks about the uh, conference too? Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. It there we go, everybody. 
There you go. Thanks Thank you again. for having me. You got it. Bye. Hi, everyone. One last thing before you go. If you can, please leave a comment and rate the podcast in any of the apps that you listen to us in. It'll mean the world to us. That's it. Have a great day.